Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stretty Cast. There's not really much talk about um we had the international break and yeah, a bit of a bit of a hammering over the weekend but sean we, we'll get into that shortly how are you and how, how were you coping with the international break i was bored out of my tree because we obviously had two games postponed before the international break just felt like forever um how did you cope well look as frustrating as it is without club football i try to make the most of it and i will dive into international football as much as I can. I'd watch I'd watch eleven paupers out kicking a ball in the field. <laughs> so I'll uh, I'll watch any football that I can. So I may do with international football and count it down the minutes until the uh, Premier League football was back. Of course over the international break we should touch on it that we had two I guess two real standout players um for performance. It'd be Dallo who scored a brace for Portugal yeah. and we had Christian Eriksen, who just completely ran the show against France and with the, against the likes of Tukemeni in midfield, who went for 80 million in the summer to Real Madrid. Um, it was a positive in that way. And as well as that, Sean, we had, we had no real big injury concerns. I know we had Harry Maguire, but he's not really in the picture at the moment. No, no. Unfortunately, it looks like the, uh, the major worry that we had over the international break with a certain Frenchman came to fruition on the field for Manchester United yes. instead. So... Um, yeah, look, the international window, I think if you were gauging it in terms of how various clubs fared with their players, I think United fared pretty well because our players were, there was a lot of notable performances. There were some notable goals, like you said, from Dallo, Christian Eriksen, tremendous goals scored against uh, Croatia and um, some good performances for France and as well. But ultimately, it all boils down to getting back to the club game. And I think the biggest frustration with it all was you're talking about a Manchester United side that was developing some bit of momentum. And that's just, the biggest thing. Just before we get on to the derby, you've touched on the next the next point. Um, this sense of optimism that was brewing between yeah. me and you and other United fans because we'd seen the team go on 
a four four game win streak in the Premier League, bit of a hiccup in the Europa League, but got back to winning ways before the before the international break. So there was there was optimism brewing. Um, I think I did say to you that at the time we were getting results by going back to basics, but not necessarily playing the type of football that Ten Hag I think long term will want. But also the big break, the two weeks from internationals. The two games we had postponed with the Premier League, has that messed up our momentum a little bit? Because had we got those games under our belt and maybe picked up six points from them, we would have been going into City and maybe City game. And the one thing you can take from that is we weren't brave enough. And it looked like a team that hadn't played football in quite a while, if you, if you ask me. Yeah, well, I, look, I've, I've I always sort of state the same things when we talk in terms of, we'll say, players, that the best attribute a player can have is availability. And when it comes down to teams and how they're, they're, they're faring, momentum and confidence is absolutely huge. And you would have thought that after four wins on the bounce with uh, a set selection of 11 players that are getting those results, that momentum and confidence is, is, is going to be key. And the two games that are postponed, you know, we, we have a real opportunity of picking up another six points yeah. in those. So then you're talking about six games, one on the bounce potentially massive momentum and confidence players fit and players available and rearing to go and more time on the pitch together and more time on the pitch together build building those foundations building those blocks that you require in chemistry when you have a lot of new players because that was that was a huge thing starting out this game against city you're looking at the 11 players that go out there and pretty strange for manchester city who were accustomed to adding every time they can hurry to their squad over the last decade we had a lot of players that were new to the manchester derby and maybe, and I, I, I tweeted about it at, at halftime, that I feel like the players let the occasion get to them. And it's very, very hard to tell is that as a result of we've been away from the club game for three weeks, nearly four weeks. And you know what? We forgot that feeling we had because we've gone away and we've been yeah. with our, our international buddies. And we've had that international camaraderie. And oh, hold on a second. We actually have something got to do back home. And... Yeah, yeah, I think it's a game caught us at a bad time. I'm not going to excuse the performance by any means, but uh, but another factor that that I want to show in to back up what you've just said is that this city team, and you could some people listening might say, well, they had two weeks break as well. Um, well, the other side of it is that group of players or that squad, the mold mold of it. Guardiola's been there for six years. They know what they know. They know what to expect every time. Oh, yeah. the, the environment is is set in stone. At Manchester United, that's not the case. We got a new manager, different different rules. He's finding out different bits about the players. And before we even get on to talking about the performance and that losing six three to City, I can guarantee you that Eric Ten Hag come came away from the Etihad on Sunday, knowing a lot more about this group of players knowing who he can trust in big games. Because I think a lot of there was a few players that I think really let him down. And I would be surprised if there's not three or four changes come next weekend against Everton um, to that starting lineup. I think he might use this game, this performance, as an excuse to to give players that are they're waiting in the wings minutes. And maybe one of them is Casemiro, which brings us on to the first, um, the first real topic from the game, Sean. So the team mm-hmm. selection, in hindsight, on social media, has sparked a bit of a reaction, as you'd expect. We got, we got hockeyed by City. But I didn't have any problems with the starting lineup um, before kickoff. 
I think he is, has done what he's done since he's come in. He's playing players based on previous performances, form, and if they are playing well, you can't drop them. Did you have any issues with the starting lineup? Because it's a no. lot of it seems like hindsight jumping. No, I had no issues with the lineup whatsoever because it touches back on what I was just talking about. I mean, these are the same 11 players that have won four games in the bounce. And, and we're talking about building that chemistry. And I know there was a lot of people sort of, they were more so making light of it than, than making an agenda, but that in the year 2022, Casemiro has been benched by Scott McTominay. And, and the thing is, it, he's there totally on merit. Like McTominay was not being selected because there's some sort of uh, a sort of a, a liability clause in Ten Hag's contract that he has to select him. He was there because he's been playing exceptionally well. And let's not forget, we touched on that international break as well. And McTominay was very good over his international yeah. break for Scotland. Yeah. So he continued that fine form over the four games into his international. And he came back and he deserved it. And And if you had given me an opportunity to select what team do I think he's going to select against City? That's the exact theme, right? Because you're looking at it and I suppose it's one of those of, if it's not broken, don't fix it. It's also something that we discussed in the last podcast when you said, what could he be doing better? And I said, one thing that he could possibly do better is maybe utilize his squad a little bit more. And that's what we talked about. But so, I, yeah, go on. So just looking at the, the starting lineup and I agree with the selection, there was no one there that I think that shouldn't have been in the team by any means, and I was happy with it. Maybe we're looking on with the hindsight glasses, and also knowing the kind of team City are, that they keep the ball, and they and, and they, they grill you by not giving you the ball back. Um, should we have maybe thrown in Casemiro and taken out an attacking player, and kind of accept that this is what we have to do. We maybe have to change it up because Ten Hag went into the game like I expected he would, brave. But I also think he did that because he's looking for, maybe not, maybe excuse is the wrong word, but he wants to see some players put into situations and then to decide when to take them out of the team, if you get me. I'd have, I suppose there's two things I need to touch on there. And, and I suppose they're both really using hindsight. But firstly, touch on Ten Hag. And I would say, maybe there was a slight bit of naivety. Yeah. A, a little bit of naivety in thinking, I've been playing this squad, and this is very much a, a sort of an attack-minded squad. I can maybe go to City, and I can take on this team that like to have the ball, and I can put two ball-playing midfielders in the centre midfield, and I can put them up against their two ball-playing midfielders. And I think maybe there was a slight bit of naivety in thinking, the team is maybe a little bit further on in his head than they actually were. And that's just using hindsight. If I'm talking about, do I think Casemiro would have fared better? In hindsight, then it's easy to say, yeah, because you're looking at Christian Eriksen on the field. I, I know it's, it's probably maybe unfair to say he's had his worst game in a Manchester United shirt because he didn't ultimately do a whole pile wrong. It's just he didn't do anything. Now, in his defensive sort of attributes on the field, he was liable for two of the goals. In terms of what he did with the football, he didn't get to do a whole lot because he couldn't take up the positions because City prevented him being able to take up positions. So yeah, if you have Casemiro and you have Scott McTominay in there, you're shoring yourself up against the inevitability that City are going to have a lot of the ball and you're giving yourself more of an outlet maybe to hit them on the counter-attack like we've had such success over the last five or six years. I think that's the only area, if I was to look back again with hindsight, looking at the team, and knowing how, how the game went, that's the only change I'd make. 
it's the only really change I'd make. And it just brings on to, to the tactics and the game plan because I was completely baffled at halftime. We were 4-0 down and I just thought back to every time we got the ball, it looked like forward players were just running into distance. We were humping it long and there was no one coming short to say, right, we're going to keep the ball. We're going to relax. I don't want to say the word relax because we were asleep at times. But you know what I mean? To kind of take the this, take the game by the scruff of the neck, hold possession a bit more and just think about what you're... They were pulling the trigger too quick every single time. Panic stations. And, and this, this comes back to the long break. It looked like the team that we had seen maybe was it four weeks ago, five weeks ago, it, completely different. The, the belief was gone. It was never there. They couldn't keep the ball. And like this is Ericsson who has just been pulling up trees for Manchester United. So I, I don't think you can blame him. It was definitely collective. It didn't help either that we had Dallow booked early early doors. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then we had Malasia booked. So our two fullbacks were were on yellow cards. And I've seen something that Paul Scholes touched on today. I thought it was quite interesting. He put a picture on Instagram of Beckham and, and Giggs. Um, reminiscing about yesterday or yesteryears and and talking about he remembers when wingers would help their fullbacks. Do you think that was an issue in the derby between Anthony and, and Sancho that they weren't providing support for two fullbacks that were on yellow cards? I don't think you could say that about Anthony. I don't think he had a particularly good first half. I thought he was better in the second half. But one thing that I have noted about his very, very short United career, he's not afraid to run back. He does offer. He he runs up and down that wing, and and he does. He likes getting back and putting in a challenge. Maybe. As well, just sorry on that. He, not just putting in a challenge, but he's very comfortable too at holding the ball deep in corners and yeah. and find, finding a way out. He's very very yeah. good at that. He he puts in a shift. I think is the best thing I can say about him so far. You know, Sancho on the other hand, Sancho looked lethargic yesterday, and I feel maybe he wasn't as committed to coming back on the left wing for Malasia and. Let's face it, Malasia did not have a good game yesterday. So you could very well attribute a lack of assistance on the wing from his partner in crime to maybe why he was underwhelming. And also what you touched on is absolutely correct. Like Dallow being booked in the second minute of the game, I thought firstly was incredibly harsh. Normally you're going to give Ridiculously early, yeah. Yeah, like I mean, you're, you're normally giving the players like a couple of challenges. It's a Manchester derby. It's going to be a bit fiery, you know, and it's the opening minutes of the game. I mean, he knew what he was doing. He was letting Grealish know he was there. The ref should know that. But then to book him after 90 seconds, you're, you're, Dallow's a guy who likes to put in a foul anyway. I saw an interesting thing, and I nearly took it up before the game. They were given serious odds of Dallow to get four-plus um, fouls against him. And uh, it was like seven to one. And it's, just, it's, like, it's simple money because he'll probably have about three of those in the first 15 minutes. And um, that's the type he is. He's just he's a fellow who does put in a foul, and that's probably, you could attribute it down to maybe he's still developing his game. And, maybe needs to be a little bit wiser in the dark arts. But I think that affected his game tremendously because when Grealish knew he had him booked after 90 seconds, Grealish was so much more confident on the ball because he knew, obviously, it was sticking a leg and, and that's it. Like, he's off, you know? Malasia, yeah, probably suffered a small, but I think from Sancho not coming back. And also, he was just kind of... He was not he was not too hot, I suppose. The, the aspects of his game that need a little bit of work and that will come in time... I think they were kind of exposed a bit yesterday. So, yeah, the fullbacks, um, it was unfortunate. It was unfortunate. And, yeah, more hindsight, I think. Yeah, I think you you mentioned there, Yaron, that Ericsson was at four for two goals. 
just touching on, on Sancho. I think he could attribute, I think it was the first and second goal yesterday. For the first, he lost the ball and was far mm. too slow in coming back. He, you know, he came back with, with Foden to a certain extent and then he let Foden wander into the box, get into space on his own, put the ball into the back of the net. For the second goal, before the ball went into the box, he tracked back and was just far too passive. Far too passive. I think that's it. Some players almost feel that if they jog back and, and, and get to their man, that's it. I've that they've done, done, they've I, done I, their I, bit. I've done my bit. And I, I, I don't want to, to, to lay it in on Sancho, but look, we, we, had a, we had a shit performance yesterday in the Manchester Derby. So I'm not going to sit around and, and say, well, these players were good when they weren't. Sancho has been very good for you, I think, this season. I think he was unlucky not to get into the England squad. But on the basis of that performance in the Manchester Derby, Seeing how passive he was at tracking back, he is one of the players that I think Goodison Park next weekend. He mm-hmm. might not be in the starting lineup. He I might would, not be in the starting. I'd share lineup. that. Yeah, I'd share that. Uh, because we, we we're now looking at the the forward options that Ten Hag has, and we're, we're going to get on to probably the only positive that we can take from the derby shortly. But Ten Hag has some options up front, something he hasn't had since the start of the season. We have Rashford fit, we've Martial back fit. Ronaldo, we'll talk about in a, in a bit. Um, he's got options. And I think going to that game against Everton, I, I, I personally want the front three to be Anthony, Martial and Rashford. Um, that would be what I, what I would go for. Um, but, but speaking about that positive, Sean, Martial, you sent me a text in the first half saying when it was 1-0 down, um, Martial could change this game. It, it didn't quite work out how we wanted it to. But in, in a sense, he did change the game because he made the scoreline from being ultimately embarrassing to, to somewhat respectful. Yeah, yeah, I think he's, he's about the only positive you can, you can take. And you, but, but the thing is, it's, it's, it's what you get from him. It was a game that was crying out for his sort of attributes. I, I, again, I agree with the, the lineup yesterday because you'd be thinking the likes of, Rashford is going to have real sort of joy in sort of breaking the lines and getting in behind. And that's what you're looking for. And Rashford is like, he's, he's previously had that. But the game yesterday, very early on to me, it just stank of a game that needed somebody like Marcial up front who has that ability to play with his back to goal and has that little bit of edginess about him where he likes sticking the back in to, to a defender who's coming in against them. And it allows then the wide players to come into the game more. But... Obviously, you saw in this very, very brief cameo, like he's got himself two goals. This is a guy who I believe got one Premier League goal last year and one goal for Sevilla. He's come back. He's had a very, very good preseason and was very unfortunate with his injury. Came off the bench, had a good cameo against Liverpool, a, good, a, a really good cameo against Liverpool when he came off the bench. And we're looking at a guy who's quite clearly staking a claim that even if Ten Hag wasn't overly keen on playing Ronaldo for whatever reason, He's now got statistics to back up whatever sort of reason he had in sort of picking Martial over him. I do think it's also worthwhile mentioning something as well, though, because a lot of people, including myself, thought his days were numbered at the club last year. And obviously, rightfully so, because he's, he's gone on loan, he's leaving the club. You'd be hoping he makes the most of it, comes back and takes his opportunity, which it looks like has happened in a bit of an obscure way because he didn't really make the most of his loan. Um, but he is coming back and it looks like at 26, that he still has that bit of bite in him where he can succeed. But he's only had one year, okay? And, and people forget this. He's had one year as, like, United's main man, as a main number nine. 
And in that season alone, he scored 23 goals. But as well as that, he contributed nine assists. So this is a fellow who is very adept to playing with his back to goal, bringing the, the wingers into it. But he's also very, very able to find the back of the net as well, as he proved against City. Like, you talk about the the, the traits you want in a really good centre forward, something we spoke about with a certain Haaland. And the, the awareness of a number nine getting into the box and the awareness of a player to be a good everything, to combine being a good goal poacher to being able to finish. Look how quickly, even at that point of the game when it looks like obviously the game is done and dusted, we're losing 6-1 at that stage. Mm. Fred breaks into the box, has a shot. Martial just, he fought for it because he wanted it. Even at 6-1, he wanted it and he had that header. And then you look at the ability for him to win the penalty and then to take the penalty. You, you won't see a finer penalty taken than what he took. Now, I know it's only a, it's a, it's a spot kick, but he still had that desire to get up and do it. So that was a great penalty, though. It, it was a great penalty. So now you've got a guy that, as you said, is back fit. I, I agree totally with what you said. I, I, I mean, Ten Hag has been so openly, he's been so keen to show so much admiration towards Marcus Rashford that I can't see Rashford not playing. And I absolutely think Martial is coming in because he fits exactly the type of the system that Ten Hag wants. So I'd be very surprised if, like, barring injury, you don't see Martial as a nine with Rashford on the left and Anthony on the right against Everton. Not because Sancho is not a, a quality player and hasn't had a good season, but on the basis of what's happened at Manchester City and the fact that Martial is back, I think it maybe buys into what you said at the start of this podcast. Not maybe wanting an excuse, but he's now got a reason that he can say, well, this is why I'm making this decision. And I think that's what you're going to see. Yeah, excuse is the wrong word. I think this is part of maybe the word that Ten Hag would use. It's part of the process. You come yep. in, you set out what you want your team to do. And what happened with Ten Hag was we lost the first two games of the season. He began then to set on a starting eleven that was winning football matches. And as we said with the starting lineup, you're not going to break that if you're getting results. And I think then when you, when you go somewhere like City and, and you go with the same almost same game plan, you're not laying out traps for players, but you're getting the full picture of what you're working with. And Ten Hag has to learn what he's working with. And I think it's, people will argue it's results. You can't go into a game kind of tried and error and whatever. But the, this is Manchester United with a new manager playing against a side that had Pep Guardiola for six years. City know what they're doing. They come back from international break. They know before they, they speak to the manager of Derby what's coming up. This United team don't quite know yet. And Ten Hag, I, I think he's trying to test limitations with certain players to see how much he can get out of them. And one of those players that we've spoken a bit about was McTominay. Um, he's a player that I wouldn't be surprised in the next game if, if Casemiro does start. He has a reason now to start Casemiro. I think he'll take it. I think he'll take that opportunity because there's a lot of questions now. He spent so much money on Casemiro. I think Ten Hag was just simply waiting for, for the chance to throw him in. Uh, and patiently, and I think he, he's shown in, in his team selections too, which I want to touch on, is that he's quite, he's very brave. He has balls. When I, when I talk about that, we're going to go on to Ronaldo shortly. But to keep him on the bench after using five substitutes has caused a bit of a stir. Uh, it has. It has. And he's come out and he said that it was about his legacy, that he didn't want to bring him on the pitch, wasn't it? That he didn't want to do it to his legacy. And ultimately, I just think he, he doesn't fancy him. I think he doesn't fancy him in his system. And he has been a manager from day one who's very much, it's my way. I'm not doing it somebody else's way. It's my way. 
And he didn't bring Ronaldo to the club. He's obviously, like every other football fan, acknowledging that this is one of the greatest goal scorers that the game has ever seen. A guy who's up there for conversation, the greatest player of all time. But right now, does it's what we've spoke about previously. Does he really benefit the team? And you're in a game there where you're losing 1-0. The game is going totally against you. You have somebody that can maybe come onto the field, take a group of players that, as I said and as I tweeted and as I spoke about, have looked like they've let the occasion get the better of them. Well, then, who better than to fix that than Mr. Ballon d'Or? To Mr. Ronaldo to come onto the field, who is a leader of men for his country, and could potentially come on and give City something else to think about that, okay, now we're, we're up against a guy who, who means business and something like that, having his aura on the field. It's something that I thought that maybe now you'll see Ten Hag bring Ronaldo onto the field and see can he change this and just get that sort of dynamic onto the field. But even at that stage when he's not selecting him, I'm thinking, yeah, he just, he's, he's, he's not for him. Now we have the Europa League game during the week and I would be very surprised if you don't see a front three that consists of something like Anthony Alanga, Cristiano Ronaldo, and possibly Garnacho, you know, because I think you're going to see a full rotation. I think Casemiro might actually get a game as well. I think Casemiro might play the 90 minutes midweek too. And then based on that performance, as you said, could lead on to the weekend and could very well be in the midfield. Just sticking with Ronaldo, I want to touch on what Roy Keane said. Um, hmm. He kind of fired back at Mika Richards after he made a, a, pr- a pressing claim as to why Ronaldo is not getting into the team. And Keane showed why he's not a, a top coach in the modern game by suggesting that pressing is not important. Um, pressing is the flash word. It's the flash word. It's the flavour of the month. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But he said that gr- the great players and the top players want to play week in, week out. Ronaldo has not come back to Manchester United to sit on the bench in a derby game. That comment is very weird, coming from Roy Keane. Yeah. It's like he signed up to the Ronaldo fanboy club and completely forgot that there's not one player that's bigger than a football club. It's complete horseshit what he's saying. So Ronaldo is completely... This is after Martial comes off the bench. He scores two goals. And he sat in the studio and he's looking for a reason to complain about why Ten Hag has not brought on Ronaldo. There was not one point, and this touched on what you said a few moments ago about Ten Hag. There was not one moment in that game when we were getting hammered or whatever. I was thinking, bring on Ronaldo. Mm. Not one yeah. moment. Now, I, want, I wanted Martial on. Martial needs minutes. And also, if you put, if you put Ronaldo and Martial together with both fitness records at the same, fitness levels at the same, you're starting Martial. Ten Hag is starting Martial. Uh-huh. At this moment in time, yeah. yeah. But for some reason, it's disrespectful what Ten Hag did. How is it disrespectful to leave a player on the bench? Because it, 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 it's, just, it's hardship. Because you look at other managers in other, every other game, you never, never see anything reported about a manager not bringing a player on. Because every week there's substitutions that don't, substitutes that don't get on the pitch. And it's not deemed disrespectful. But Ten Hag has come in. At the start, they slagged him because of the way he wore his clothes or the way he spoke. This look for everything, don't they? We had the same thing with Oli. The same thing with Oli. I would think, I, I'd look at two points there as well. Touching on Kino, right? I think I have two separate things to say about Kino. People forget Kino. How did he leave he, Manchester United? 
yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I know exactly. that. I, I know you that. Know? But but people forget, like he he's still, regardless of what he says, he still wants United to win. He still he he was hurting, like we were hurting after that result yesterday. And this is a guy who's got all the cameras on him and is expected to give a neutral response when he's probably bleeding inside from what he has seen. So I think a lot of that did come through in what he was saying. But let me just say one thing. I do think it was pretty fresh of him to start making a point about the goals that Ronaldo scores, making a point as to how the hot topic at this moment in time is pressing and that back in his day, he wouldn't care if a player didn't contribute anything back to field if he was scoring goals. Um, I, I think that was ridiculous because if there was a player in the field who wasn't working, Keane would have killed him. No, no, absolutely. It's the one thing that annoyed me about what he was saying, though. He he warned almost that this will get messy, he said. This will get messy. And and then he went on to kind of parade Ronaldo and the disrespect being shown towards him. What Keane, what it sounded like to me was that Keane is almost accepting this potential behaviour from Ronaldo. That if it does get messy, he's saying that Ronaldo has a point. And it just draws back to how Keane left the club. Mm-hmm. And Keane left the club under a grey cloud. And he's almost kind of pushing or suggesting that Ronaldo should do the same thing. Um, you know, it's just harsh. Harsh. Pierce Morgan coming out with the same ding dong last night. Um, I don't get it. We have to look at the fine picture here. Ronaldo is thirty seven. Just appointed a new manager who has a specific style of play, who does which does not suit Ronaldo. There's no point keep drumming on about it. I'm sick no. of talking about him. No. We, Manchester Derby. He didn't get a minute on the pitch, and he's one of the biggest talking points. And take it as well. People, very, very short memories. It's, it's only a few months ago that he was doing everything in his power to join any club but Manchester United. Mm. You know, and pe- people forget that. Like, mm. it's disrespectful to have him on the, on, on the bench. Was it not disrespectful for him to wait the entire summer and right before we're going out flying out on, 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 a, on our preseason tour that he then launches into the fact that he wants to leave the club? And I'm not, dis- I'm not disregarding his, the, the, the personal issues that he had. But was, do you agree in what he said, when, in the way he handled that? No, no, absolutely not. And also, wasn't it the, at the Etihad last season that he didn't show up? Yeah. He, he found out he wasn't going to be in the team. And then he pulled a little sicky, went off to Portugal for, for Lisbon for a few days, didn't even bother going to the derby. You know, so disrespect. That's mm-hmm. disrespect for your, from your, for your teammates. And it's just interesting that the Roy Keane coming out saying this, he hasn't painted the full picture whatsoever, whatsoever. It's Ronaldo fanboy club. And, and to be honest, I'm getting sick of it. I get, really am getting sick of it um, every week. And it's, 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 it's going to continue. The manager's been asked questions about him the whole time. And it's just a complete circus at this bring, stage. Bring your mind back to when we were under Ole. And Ole left him on the bench against Everton in the first couple of games of the season. Do you remember that? And do you remember yeah. the outcry? Yeah. Who does he think he is to bench this player? Yeah. I mean... You have a guy that is like we should never have a footballer who's bigger than Manchester United Football Club. There, no, no one is bigger than Manchester United Football Club. Unfortunately, in the grand scheme of social media, Ronaldo is right up there alongside the football club, and it becomes an issue. And how many times did Sky Sports focus in on the bench to show yeah. Casemiro and Ronaldo yeah. yesterday? How I, I, many I, times? I, I count Ronaldo's face more than completed United passes. Yeah. <laughs> Very good, very good. Uh, no, it, it did. I did. It was sick of seeing it. Except in Casemiro, it was like they should have put slow music on. Oh, and and it was almost like that they had a dedicated camera crew to just let yeah. them know when the boys looked like they were crying or when the boys looked like 
or and, what's yeah. happening out there. Oh, yeah. you know, and it, that's the sort of stuff you don't like. It's it's because that's that's basically putting a negative perception on Eric Ten Hag, and that is starting to generate this this sense of disdain that happens on social media when all of a sudden, like the the, the way that people have treated Harry Maguire. And now you have this small, tiny little contingent that are now saying Ten Hag doesn't know what he's doing, you know. And those little things build toward it, and it's just, it's 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 false media. I do think that with Kino, though, I do think there's a certain proportion of Kino the fan is what you saw yesterday. I think you saw Kino the fan bleeding a small little bit yesterday because it was a totally different tone to what you saw right before the international break. You saw Kino being positive and even at the start of the season when he's talking about his predictions for where the, you know, who's got a chance of breaking into the top four, he was really positive about United. And I think yesterday you saw a fellow that was slightly hurting and has Micah Richards alongside him, nudging him and smiling and grinning at him and laughing over everything he's saying. And I think he was just a little bit frustrated as well. Yeah, imagine watching the game with Micah Richards. I know, I know. I'd say that was torture. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, look on that note, Sean, before, before we leave it, I want to get an old person know from yourself on the derby how we how we go from this because you mentioned a keyword or two keywords on on Twitter about dusting this off. You know we have uh-huh. a game, we have a lot of games this month. We can quickly overcome this with with two wins this week. You know we, we win the Europa League on Thursday night and beat Everton away. I think we have that little sense of optimism building again and feel that we can go on another run because the next five games or so are all winnable. Look at it this way, all right? The simplest way I can put this. I, I have United in my blood for four different decades now. And you go back to the, the year when United won the league and the Champions League. Uh, the only English club to do that, by the way. When they won the league and the Champions League, they were beaten by City home and away that year. So you have a side right now in Manchester City that, as much as it pains me to say it, are the strongest and best team in Europe. In, in in the full context at this moment in time they are and we're not the best team in Europe at this moment in time we're a side that has a manager at the helm for a few months and that was only his seventh game we're building so we're building we're building and you're going to get games like that the one thing that I would say it's a little bit of a concern a little bit of a concern that we can be a side that can win games but then if something goes wrong we can completely capitulate and when we completely capitulate, we look like a side that could chip anywhere up to a dozen goals. And I don't understand why that's happening. But ultimately, what happened yesterday was we, we, we met a side that were playing in the first half. Basically, they were playing as good as they can possibly play. You look at the pass that Kevin De Bruyne gave to, to, to that goal for Haaland. It was literally inch perfect. They were playing scintillating football, helped by the fact that our boys decided that the occasion was a little bit more important than the game itself. But it's very hard to beat that. And we're not the first team that they're going to turn over this year. They're going to turn over many, many teams this year. They're probably going to win the league with about six to eight games left. And we will move. As you look, we have the Europa League this week. Go win that. Then you've got Everton on Sunday. Win that. All of a sudden, we put two wins back in the bounce and everyone's forgotten about this. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Sean, thanks so much for for joining me on what's been a, a fairly grim Monday because you wake up from such defeat and your whole day is just read analysis from the game, reading headlines, reading the quotes, and it's hard to get away from it. But look, hopefully the next time we speak that it's on the back of a win. But um, you have to take these defeats, especially when you're going through a process, right? Of course you do. 
course you do. I told you the last podcast we had that we'd gone on a four-game win streak and that the common denominator was we hadn't talked. And then we made a podcast and this happened. So God knows what's going to happen after this one. But yeah, you take the good with the bad. That's, that's all you have to do. You just dust it off and move on to the next one. Sean, always a pleasure. Take care. Take care, pal. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.